Uh, as a coach, can you learn anything about your team as it goes through a game like la- the one last Sunday night? And if so, how can you put that to good use moving forward? I think as a coach, we're always gathering information about the, the team, the, the men we work with. Um, that's good, good food for thought as you plan and proceed through the journey. You know, we're going to be faced with continuous adversity throughout the journey. It's just the nature of a football season. So you're always looking to gather information. I'm always looking to gather information regardless of circumstance, positive experience, negative experience. Obviously, the negative experiences are the ones that stay with you um, and the ones where our antennas need to be up in terms of the gathering of that information. What are some of the things you learned last Sunday night? You know, just how important communication is, particularly for young people. Um, we got to be cautious about the positions that we put them in. But you knew that, but as as a general statement. But when you apply it specifically to individuals, you gather information about how they specifically might fall short. Some people are poor communicators in terms of vocally. Some people are poor in the in the areas of communication from a listening standpoint. Um, you gather information like that so you can better uh, insulate them from negativity moving forward. Uh, Rosie Nix is ruled out for today's game. He's the only fullback listed on the roster. But you've also said that in such situations you uh, find some candidates and you looked at some candidates during the spring and summer. Uh, how are those candidates identified? Is that a volunteer who wants to run up the hill and take the pillbox? Or? It, it's, a, it's a small number of guys, really. What you're talking about is is those medium body types, those bigs, um, big skill, if you will. You're talking tight ends and linebackers. And generally, our, our tight end and fullback position is somewhat interchangeable by personnel group anyway. So that's the first place you start. Um, you know, the tight end depth usually provides some depth at fullback, um, you know, and so that's where you start. And then there's a linebacker or two that's got an appetite for it and uh, maybe a background in that in that area. Those are the two specific places that you look. You mentioned body types. What kind of skill set goes into being a fullback? You know, built-in leverage, contact people, guys that, that have a base about them or play with a base, uh, generally a feet or, or shoulder width apart types. Um, but it's the, it's the big skill, guys. It's those 230 to 250-pound men on your football team. What are fullback-like duties and responsibilities in today's NFL? You know, they have to catch the ball in the flat, and they got to lead block. Um, if, you, if you talk about responsibilities relative to the passing game, if you had to put it in a nutshell globally, fullbacks got to be proficient at running flat routes and catching the ball in the flat and check downs, things of that nature. Um, I think it's a unique skill set when they get beyond that and get down the field, and there are some of those examples. Uh, in, in regards to the run game, it's meat on meat, bone on bone. Guys that are capable of, of meeting the needs of the lead plays, but, but less, less – um, Less talked about, but equally as important, the ability to, to shuffle and adjust laterally to, in an effort to get up on those people. Oftentimes, you got to work through trash in an effort to get those lead plays executed and the fullback's ability to slide left or right and adjust and then get vertical again and have that type of power to win those confrontations is critical. Today's opponent, the Seattle Seahawks, uh, is one you see every four years. How does that unfamiliarity impact your week of preparation in terms of what you might have to spend more time on versus a week of preparation for a team in the AFC North that you have to play at least twice every year? I think it pushes you more toward fundamentals. 
But where we are in the journey, uh, not only in terms of being week two, but also where we are in the journey coming off of a negative performance, that pushes you towards fundamentals anyway. Um, you know, the familiarity that's associated with division play, they know us, they know we know them. Uh, it's a lot of personnel and matchup-oriented things. Uh, when you play a team like this that you don't see every year, uh, it pushes you toward fundamentals. It forces you to look within and focus specifically on the details of your execution and what you're asking your people to do. Uh, your overview of the Seahawks uh, included that uh, their offense will pose a challenge to your defense with their running game. Uh, against such an offense, what does a defensive player in the front seven have to be looking for at the snap and then doing immediately after to stop the run? You know, they got to play responsibility ball first. Uh, we got to be in the gaps that we need to be in, uh, particularly with a group like this that incorporates the quarterback potentially in the run game. The quarterback carries an extra gap. So we got to be really gap sound. We got to play our gap first, and then we got to get to the football. Uh, I think a team that's, that's structured like this, a team that runs the ball with the commitment that they do, coupled with quarterback mobility, uh, all roads lead to gap responsibility first. What are you looking at? I mean, as a defensive player, you watching the line, you watching the. It, it, it depends on your technique and your alignment, and, and, and every every within every defensive scheme. Each individual p- player has a has an alignment and a technique, and oftentimes the the alignment tells you the technique or the line of vision. So all eleven people will never be looking at the same things. If you're in a head up technique uh, along the line of scrimmage, you're looking at directly the man in front of you, for instance, with very little peripheral vision, because that guy, that battle needs to be won. That meat on meat, bone on bone battle needs to be won. Others with greater distance between them and, and confrontation can have a wider frame of view and see you know, big picture things, offensive structure, formation, and that's where the secondary comes into play in terms of some of the communication and adjusting with the things that happen prior to the snap. In no defense is all 11 men looking at the same thing at the snap. It's usually tied to their alignment and their technical assignment per call. What's play action and what, what is its purpose? Play action is is coordinated passing game that, that generally marries your run game and assists you in, in attacking defenses vertically, throwing the ball down the field. Um, in today's NFL, it doesn't necessarily mean that uh, offenses and defenses are so multiple. Sometimes offenses have play action passes that don't directly correlate to their run game. But the action itself freezes second level to defenders or linebackers and provides opportunity or pause for you to get the ball behind them and in between them and deep defense. So it's not it's not only a slow the rush down thing. It's also a slow the rush down tactic. It's also a create space in no the coverage. You want it's it slows the, the rush down by virtue of the run action. It creates space um, between the second level defense and the deep defense, also by that same run action. So by doing the same things, you're you're getting a cu- couple of things done. Play action does that help you gather any information if you're on offense at the quarterback, for example? Is he able to discern what the coverage is easier with play action or any of that kind of stuff? Oftentimes, from a quarterback standpoint, you have less information in play action because if it's an effective play action, you're actually taking your eyes off the defense. In uh, in drop back passing game, quarterback's visual on the defense all the time. So he sees the subtle movements, the things that happen just prior to the snap or after the snap. Uh, many times in play action, the quarterback is going blind to the defense for a moment as he rides the ball or potentially the ball into the belly of the runner, and then he comes up and he has to find what's going on in the secondary. So, you know, it's probably the exact opposite. From a quarterback perspective, you have less visually – 
less visual information about what the defense is doing, but you have the action itself that add, that, that, that adds to your calls. Uh, is the quarterback the guy who makes or breaks the effectiveness of play action? You know, I think really more than anything, it's the offensive line. Uh, we spend a lot of time talking about the mesh point, the quarterback, and things of that nature, the back, doubling over for a good play fake. Uh, I think it's a feel thing more than anything. You feel low hats of the offensive line like they're trying to win the line of scrimmage in the run game. They better feel that in the passing game. And oftentimes that's not given enough credence. Um, they're worried about protecting, particularly when we're playing a guy like Clowney this week. You know, Try to convince a tackle to give you a hard run fake uh, when he's responsible for blocking Clowney. But he has to buy into the scheme in which we're all collectively working. And and that deception, that collective deception, aids him in his job, and he has to understand that. When it comes to receivers getting open, and you've talked about your time you know, as a receivers coach, uh, are there skills besides speed and quickness to be used to get a receiver open? There's no question. Uh, just like we were talking about a tackle in reference to blocking and in and play pass, a receiver that understands how what he is doing fits into the big scheme of things, has that knowledge also um, as an assistance to his play. Um, the craftiness that veteran receivers display from time to time as they lose a little speed but still are, are functional and able to get open is, dis- is a, a, a clear display of that. Um, that knowledge of coverage, uh, recognizing zone and man and sitting down and sitting down immediately and maximizing space when you recognize zone. Having the ability to stay on, on the move or staircase and create separation in man-to-man. I think knowledge is an element of play at that position that, that really creates space as much as speed or agility or change of direction. Not a lot of coaches in recent times have been successful, both in the college game and the NFL, but Pete Carroll is one who has been. Uh, what are some of the characteristics of a Pete Carroll-coached NFL team? You know, I know Pete personally. Pete is a teacher, uh, regardless of whether he's coaching college or, or in the professional ranks. Uh, he approaches his job as an educator. Uh, he has a daily lesson plan. Uh, I remember visiting with him years ago, and we talked about developing our daily lesson plans as if we're secondary education people. Uh, I like that about him. I subscribe to that. I think it's a lot of us who have defensive backgrounds that hold the jobs that we do, uh, have that fundamentalist approach to teaching. Uh, I respect him in a lot of ways. I think his teams are generally well-prepared, and that's why he's had the sustained success that he's had uh, over the length of time that he has. Is there a consistent style to the way his teams like to play? They're a fundamentalist group. They don't try to trick you. They play fast. They understand situational football. I think that's that's a Pete Carroll team. Good luck today. Thank you.